Welcome to Subscribing to Wellness, the show where Rachel Newman and myself, Daniel Fairman, sit down with leading founders, executives, and investors committed to building a healthier future for consumers. If you're involved in CPG, you know trade spend is one of the most costly items for any brand with a focus on retail. Nonetheless, most brands continue to use outdated manual tracking solutions for trade spend. The result? Scrambling to fight surprising deductions and lacking visibility on promotional ROI. Vividly is the top-rated trade promotion management software for CPG brands focused on efficient and scalable growth. Their software is a turnkey end-to-end solution that helps CPG brands of all sizes with trade promotion management, deduction management, and forecasting. Vividly even offers deduction management services with a track record of helping brands uncover hundreds of thousands of dollars in unplanned trade within the first two months. That's why Hawkwater, Perfect Snacks, Lesser Evil, Vital Farms, and Liquid Debt are all using Vividly today. So if you want to effectively manage that line in your P&L that often makes up 15 to 30% of gross sales, head to GoVividly.com, request a demo, and take control of your trade spend. Today on Subscribing to Wellness, we are joined by Sama Dada. She is a New York City-based recipe developer, food photographer, and the blogger behind Dada Eats. Drawing from her Indian heritage and inspired by the foodscapes of London, California, and New York, she is the host of Cooking with Sama Dada on today's show digital channel. We chat with her about her very own Erwan drink collab, her path to creating Dada Eats, and so much more. Sama, welcome to Subscribing to Wellness. Thank you, Rachel. I'm excited to be here. Um I know we chatted for quite a bit before hopping into recording this. Um, and so we we loosened up our muscles here, but really <laughs> excited to be chatting with you today. I think I want to take us back. You know, your success has taken you to Erwan Collabs, and we'll get into that, which is so exciting. But I want to take us back. You spent, you know, a lot of time in high school in London, which I think started your, you know, initial interest in food. And I want to understand kind of like that initial spark of what hit you where you kind of started to see food as more than just like this thing on our plate, but as this like beautiful creation organism. Yeah, I mean, great question. And I know we did like a full podcast before the real podcast. Um, You know, I grew up in Newport Beach, California. Um, My parents are Indian immigrants. I didn't really have a big Indian community growing up. So I always kind of felt a little bit neither here nor there. I didn't really feel like I fit in with my American classmates, but I also didn't really feel like I was super Indian because I like grew up in in California, Newport Beach, California. I just didn't really have that connection to my culture. And I think taking it really far back, it was always such a ritual to eat dinner with my family. My mom would cook Indian food basically every single night. And I think that was really the way that I felt connected to my culture and to my roots. It was always through food. And I think when I moved to London for my dad's work, um, not for fun, imagine like middle of seventh grade, like braces, glasses, give it all to me. I had it all. Um, Not my best look, but we've since evolved. You know, I think London was the first place where I felt like, oh, wow, there's like a lot of diversity of cuisine of people. And I felt like I fit in a little bit more. And then more than that, it was like just the first time I had seen like incredible Indian food at at restaurants. Like obviously London has like huge, just amazing Indian food, Um, Lebanese food. It's just all the first time that I had so many foods that I hadn't 
really experienced. And I think, you know, living in Europe gave me the proximity to travel as well. And that was really nice because I just experienced different cultures and um, communities, which is something that I felt like I was lacking growing up in, in Newport. Our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutritional supplement that supports whole body health. I drink AG1 first thing in the morning. It's the very first thing I put in my body before anything else. I personally love drinking it with fresh squeezed lemon juice. It makes me feel ready to take on my day. It's my personal start button and my body craves it daily. It has become an absolute staple in my routine. I originally gave AG1 a try because I was so tired of taking all these different supplements and I needed something simple that I could stick to. It's a routine that stays with me no matter where I go. The travel packs make it so easy and allow me to feel grounded no matter where I am. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash STW. That's drinkag1.com slash STW. Check it out. Yeah. And at what point did you kind of realize, I know, you know, we talked about how 2015 was really the first time you started posting food online. And, you know, that was like the time where it was cool to show like these close up images of, you know, fries or whatever the like super like intricate detail, like, like drooling at the mouth food type of photos. But I'm curious, like what even made you be like, I want to start posting photos of food. And I think in the beginning, it was mainly like you going out to restaurants type of food that you were posting. Yeah. So I actually spent a summer interning at CNN, uh, summer 2015. I always knew I wanted to work in television and in media. So that was my first like real internship. And I got to spend, I was here in New York and I just fell in love with New York, the food scene. I had visited as a high schooler with my family and I always kind of had this like nagging feeling that I would live here, that I wanted to live here. And I think from a young age as well, like California is very like residential like it's not there's not not much happens like we're going to the beach we're surfing I don't surf so like that already knocked that out for me (laughs) no I wasn't surfing um we're watching surfers (laughs) yeah just like a silent observer um didn't really partake in that stuff but whenever I went to a city and this was same with London I just like really vibed and I just loved the energy of the city um and I think when I was interning at CNN in New York I just I mean I ate everything everywhere I was just obsessed I hadn't seen this like amount of food and I think it was right at the time when like you're saying you know those really kind of like ooey gooey like close-up shots of like cheese pulls and pasta and pizza and all that stuff was really all the rage and you know the infatuation was popping off with their restaurant wrecks and I was like I was following along you know and I started Dada Eats that summer just really kind of to document my food adventures completely as a hobby. Like when I tell you I had no intention to make it a business or a world of its own, like zero. And I kind of think that's sort of when the best stuff happens is when oh, you're not sure. really expecting organically. it. Yeah. Totally organically and just out of a passion, something that you like. So yeah, I started it as a hobby and just kind of expected it to be just that. Also, you know, 
at that time it was weird like I remember people being like okay so she has two Instagram accounts like that okay like weird whoa, but whoa. cool Similar. I just didn't care I don't know why which is funny because I grew up pretty shy and kind of introverted and then obviously I'm clearly not that way now but yeah it was totally a hobby at first okay so hobby hobby taking photos of restaurant food at what point does this turn to you know you more creating recipes and recipe development yeah so I think as a kid I was always very interested in food I was always the most adventurous eater in my family I would always want to seek out restaurants even in college prior to starting Dada Eats I was I was really a human yelp like I like to describe myself as that because people would come to me and be like okay so I'm like you know I'm going on a date like or my family's in town or I want XYZ like where should I go and I had a list I was ready I was just like a human generator of restaurants and so I always had that in me and then from a cooking perspective I am very lucky to be a part of a family of amazing cooks my grandma was an incredible chef my aunt had an Indian restaurant in Australia my mom is an incredible chef um or home cook I should say and I really was always interested in what my mom was doing in the kitchen. And I was, I attached onto that at a, at a young age. But with regards to my own cooking, when I went back to college after my internship, I just started like cooking in my like little college room. And I was just like making whatever I could make in with like the limited resources that I had. Like, I think at first too, it was like, it was like food styling oatmeal. Like I would make it like so insane. Like I would just make art on oatmeal like I don't know I would just find a way to create things with what I had um yeah and I just think from there and I moved you know after that after college I ended up graduating a semester early and moving to New York to work at NBC and that was kind of where being in my own kitchen for the first time I was able to like really teach myself different things and techniques and recipes and it kind of went from there yeah I want to talk about NBC in a second but but on this topic I think something that we often overlook and you know on on this podcast we talk to a lot of cpg founders and investors and people that have companies with like either food or beverage in in this space that are selling in grocery stores or online and we we sometimes don't talk about everything that happens behind the scenes in terms of the actual recipe creation of that specific product and i think what's really unique about you know where you sit is you sit in so many different pillars and specifically in this recipe development. And, you know, people are so, it's so easy to just go to Google and say like, you know, squash with like thyme and basil. And then I want some cheese and you'll like get some sort of recipe that comes out and it's easy to make, but we don't often think about how hard it is to get to that actual recipe that we find online. So I want to understand from you, like, where do you even start when you think about making or developing a recipe? It's a good question. And I would say in my dreams, like I literally dream. <laughs> no, I actually do. Dream in the shower. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's like literally everywhere. Um, You know, when you're just like really obsessed with something and you just can't stop thinking about it and everything sort of reminds you of it. And this sounds like this sounds like a dating situation, but it's not. It's literally me with food. Um, <laughs> uh, I have like a kind of obsessive personality. <laughs> um, just, like, it's fine. Like, I don't know why. I just like been really 
attuned to it more. Like if I think about something or if I want something or am interested or intrigued or inspired by something, I literally cannot stop thinking about it. And I think that's where my love of recipes and recipe development kind of came in. I think there was a really big influence at the beginning though, was this idea and this like newfound passion of health and wellness that I had found in kind of the end of college. Um, I was, you know, I was really interested in kind of what I was putting into my body. I was more interested in the ingredients on the back of labels and was wondering like, why are there like a million ingredients in these crackers? Or why does this cookie have like a bajillion grams of sugar in it? It doesn't even make me feel good. Um, but at the same time, like I really at the, in that moment, I ran up against like a very all or nothing mentality, especially like permeating online and just like in the media, like if I'm healthy, like, can I not have a cookie? Like, I just didn't get that. I was like, what? Like, that doesn't make sense. That's not balanced at all. So that was sort of how I landed in the niche of how I develop recipes, which is in like a plant-based uh, minimal ingredient, real ingredient, whole food approach, which at the time, again, like you couldn't find almond flour at Trader Joe's. Now it's literally everywhere. I had to like scout for it to like, I had to make my, my own, own almond flour. Yeah. No, literally, it was like, I became an almond mill. No, I just like, it was, it was interesting at the time. And now you know, you see it everywhere. You see people baking with almond flour and coconut flour. I was doing this eight years ago when it wasn't normal. Like it was kind of, you know, granola. It was like kind of crunchy. Um, but that was sort of when I decided to start developing recipes that didn't sacrifice taste, but also still made me feel good and made me, um, you know, mindful of what I was putting into my body. Yeah. Tell me about like your favorite, one of your favorite recipes that you've developed. I think, oh gosh, I have to say that one of my OGs was my cookie pie. So this is like a gluten-free and like dairy-free cookie pie, which like sounds to an observer, like why would that cookie pie be gluten and dairy-free? But it is so decadent and so good. It's, you know, made with almond flour. It's got um, like melty chocolate chips. It's got a little almond butter. Like it's really, really good. And um, I would say that was like a good early hit of mine um that really showed me that there's like a lot you can do in this space and I think people are obviously now catching on to that yeah talking about the space like I'm curious some you know CPG brands when you're walking through the grocery store you know when you're in LA at Erwan when you're right here at Whole Foods or other you know specialty grocery markets here in New York like what do you reach for from like a packaging perspective a good question. Um, I'm really mindful of a few things, which, like I said, are ingredients. I mean, ingredient specific is kind of like everything to me. So I'm really mindful of um, sugars. Like I also have PCOS, which is like a hormonal condition where like I have to be really mindful of like, you know, the types of foods that I'm putting my body in. And, you know, there's so much that's processed here and there's so much food that's just not really even food. It's just like masquerading as food. So I really like looking at companies and brands that are pairing things back to the basics and making it really easy and minimal, especially for like a consumer to understand. Like, I think there's a lot of things that are like, oh, this is a healthy cookie, but like, just cause it like is a quote unquote healthy cookie with like 7 billion ingredients in it. Like that doesn't make it a healthy cookie, but it has like pea protein in it, you know? So I'm very conscious of that. I'm also conscious of seed oils. Um, you know, I think 
people are really waking up to the seed oil conversation as well. I know Sweet Green just changed all of their oils to um, extra virgin olive oil, which is incredible, especially yeah. for a fast casual concept. That's a, a huge step. Um, but, you know, seed oils like grapeseed, sunflower that are not high oleic, those are kind of, um, those can be quite inflammatory. So I look for avocado oil, olive oil, but we could talk about this all day because I just get really into like the specifics of it. But I also want to say like, I'm not a psycho. Like I love eating <laughs> like ice Promise cream. Promise everyone love... she's not a psycho. I'm not crazy. <laughs> like I'm not like a, it must be this way or nothing else. Like I of course enjoy my food. I of course like, you know, will have things that have all of these things I just yeah. listed. It's just on the whole, I try and be mindful of it because it's just what makes me feel better. Of course, of course. And so going into your more, you know, media angle, um, you have your own NBC digital show. How, how did you, how did you start this show? How, like, how does that happen? Yeah. I, I mean, I had a really crazy, like 22 to 27 life. <laughs> like, honestly, I feel super lucky and, and grateful for the opportunities that I got. And also for I don't know the work I put into it at a young age because I think, you know, I I worked really hard and I have to sometimes remind myself of that because I say a lot of times like, oh, I was really lucky. I was, you know, given all these opportunities, but like I really did work hard for them. And also I encourage all like women and women of color to like really own up to that because I've learned and I just, you know, those are things that I'm I'm still processing. But Anyway, I actually joined NBC as a page. So I gave the NBC studio tour. I worked Saturday Night Live, The Tonight Show, um, Late Night with Seth Meyers. I was giving tours to tourist groups like four times a day. And that was an amazing experience. And part of the program, um, you do these three rotational programs in different parts of the building. And my first, um, I would wake up at like three in the morning, go to work at four. I would escort talent to the green room, to the studio. And I just fell in love with the Today Show. I watched it every single day growing up with my mom in high school over breakfast. Like I just loved the show and felt very surreal to be there kind of in the middle of all of it. So after the page program, I ended up getting a job as a production assistant at the Today Show. And, you know, all this while I was continuing Dada Eats and cooking my apartment and doing my thing. So I would, again, go to work at four in the morning, work in the control room, like do all my running scripts to talent. And by the way, like, when you're a page, you're like really bottom of the totem pole. Like, and the only thing higher than that is a PA. And I did both of those jobs. Um, and so, you know, this whole time I was building up Dada Eats. And, you know, one day I was talking to the producers in the control room and they kind of like were chatting about my blog. And I never pitched myself. I think I'm sure people are like, oh, she was in, she was on the inside and she like pitched her blog. I was way too scared for that. Like I would never, but you know, the producers took notice of it and they asked, you know, they started booking me on the show as a cooking guest. So I did one segment. I was 23 at the time. It went well. Um, I did six more segments that first year. The next year I signed a book deal with Penguin Random House and I started writing a cookbook. I ended up leaving the Today Show in the you know PA capacity because I was literally like going home at two cooking for Dada Eats going to sleep at eight waking up at three and like doing it again for a long time and it just felt very unsustainable um and I had a lot of support from NBC as well to kind of like do my own thing but because of my relationship with them and because I had done a digital show while 
being a PA, we kind of just extended the show into two different seasons where we kind of explored different concepts. The first, the second concept, I should say, was more of like a cooking show, like traditional hands and pans, like talking to camera. And the one that I just did most recently was kind of an exploration of plant-based food within the U.S. So we went to different businesses and restaurants and kind of explored the innovations of the plant-based landscape. So it was like really the first plant-based travel food show to So exist. fun. And are you going to do another season with them? I hope so. I'm kind of figuring out too, like, and I think we're figuring out how we can make it really different and unique. I feel like innovation is such a big core principle of mine. And I always want to make sure that what I'm providing to an audience is really new and fresh and different. And I I don't want it to be something that people have seen before because there's a a lot of like things that are the same. So yeah, taking time to figure out like what that looks like. Yeah, for sure. So that's obviously amazing. And this past year, you know, another thing that happened to you, just casual Air One collaboration. Um, How, so, you know, a lot of our listeners obviously are very familiar with Air One and talked about Air One collabs before. Um, But I don't think we've had someone on that has had an Air One collab in like directly in this respect. Tell me, you know, the process from start to finish. And I, and I'd love for you to tell our listeners what your, your collab was. Yeah. Well, I've always been a really big fan of Air One. And I think that, you know, everyone can have their own opinions on Air One and, and definitely do online. But I just think that, you know, it's a, I love it. There's a lot of people that like, you want to not like it. And I've, I've told people to go to Air One and they're like, oh, I would never. And then they, come out of air one and they're like my life has changed um but it was really a collaborative effort in the sense of and first of all I I made a date uh cinnamon like snickerdoodle latte and it was their I think their first coffee like ice yeah it was their first iced coffee collaboration and I called it the perfect date because I wanted to do something that was kind of fun and punny and and related to my brand, which dates are a big part of. Um, it was very collaborative. I, I found, yeah, exactly. I found, you know, my team, we were, we were talking together and we had always been like in the DMs, like chatting. And I always kind of wanted to do something with them and found out that I was on a short list of people they wanted to work with as well. And yeah, I basically created a recipe. I tested this recipe like literally 17 times. I'm not exaggerating in my kitchen and brought it to them. And it's pretty funny because I think they were really grateful to have a recipe because I don't know if a lot of recipe developers really collaborate with them. It's a lot of um, just different types of people and celebrities. And I think that's really cool. But for me, it was so exciting because I have a background in like recipe developing and creation and um, that's why it made it so easy and fun to work with the Air One team. And they're all so great over there and so nice. And we, you know, we workshopped this recipe and luckily we didn't change really any of my original recipe. We added a little coconut cream on top and a little maple glaze and, um, yeah, it did really well. And hopefully we'll be able to do it again, um, in the future. It was really fun. Oh, so fun. Um, so you, 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 you jumped ahead for me here. Um, your brand is synonymous in the community with dates. You know, people know you as kind of, you know, like you are the date girl, like you know everything about dates. You like are amazing with creating recipes with them. Um, how, wh- why dates? Like, tell me why dates and how do you, it's honestly like one of the hard, I feel like it's a really, really hard ingredient <laughs> to nail in that yeah. the form factor 
you know, you got to get the right consistency with either room temperature or you got to melt it. And there's the date caramels and there's, you know, dates as a sweetener and then there's savory dates, you know. So tell me, tell me about your love of dates. Yeah, well, I definitely eat more than I go on them. So I just felt right, you know, <laughs> if I'm not going on dates, I might as well cook with them. Anyway, I... um. <laughs> I anyway, I'm no comment on that. Um I love them so much. You know, I I grew up with them as a big part of my culture and so I ate them for a long time growing up, but you know, when I first started Dada Eats and I think a little bit into that warming them up and stuffing them with almond butter, peanut butter, sprinkling sprinkling with a little salt or adding some chocolate chips on top was like my thing. Like people would do would do that. They would call it Dada dates like data hot dates like all these things and I just think it also comes back to my cooking ethos which is like minimal ingredients how can we pair it back how can we use like real food to create delicious results and I feel like dates are such a secret weapon for cooking and baking especially vegan cooking and plant-based cooking because they are such a nice natural sweetener that's also low glycemic and um, they're just very healthy for you and have lots of fiber and we love fiber. Um, but yeah, it became synonymous with, with dates. And I think I'm just going to run with that for as long as I possibly can before people get tired of me I, or before I, somebody I, asks me on an actual date. Are bringing dates <laughs> the amount of date puns I can put in this podcast. <laughs> I better take the cake. I love it. Um, okay. I have to ask you, what's your favorite way to eat a date? Is it your OG way? I would say it has to be my OG way. So I'll warm it either in the oven at like 350 for five minutes or in the microwave, which I know people like hate on the microwave, but I'm like, guys, it's like, I don't like drink. I don't smoke. Like, let me have a vice. Okay. Like it's my microwave for five seconds for my date. Like people literally (laughs) get mad at me. They're like, the radiation kills everything. And I'm like, okay, sure. Like I agree with you and I'm a health queen too. I get it. But let me have one fun thing in my life. Okay. Um, so microwave for five to 10 seconds, and then you put a little peanut butter or almond butter in it, sprinkle with a little flaky salt. If you want something more desserty, I'll sometimes put some chocolate chips in there. And because it's warm, it'll melt so good. It's definitely my favorite. And then in my cookbook, I actually have a recipe for where they're like frozen. So you stuff them and then you dip them in melted chocolate and freeze Ooh. it. And that's also a really nice treat. So either one. It's tough to choose. And tell me one of the most like inventive ways that you use dates before. Um, inventive ways. I feel like they're like out of the box way. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's really in just my dessert. So I will sometimes make like little milkshakes, like date milkshakes, which is like kind of like what they do in Coachella Valley where it's like a date shake. But I'll do that with like frozen bananas, dates, vanilla ice cream, cinnamon, cardamom. It's so good. So that's not really that like inventive, but it's really tasty. I mean, sounds delicious. Sounds, <laughs> sounds so good. Um, So you live in New York, which is one of the, you know, I would say hotbed foodie places in the world, you know, Um. You can go on any corner, any street, anywhere and find some crazy, amazing meal. And that's what makes this city incredible. You know, you can go to amazing Michelin star restaurants or you can find a truck and get an Mm -hmm. awesome meal as well. And 
outside of your own recipe development, I know that you're a massive foodie yourself, how, how this all started. What, how do you think of good food? You know, when you're even going to a restaurant or picking out a place besides, you know, your health pillars and making sure, you know, it's good quality food, but like, what is good food to you at the end of the day? Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. I think like, because, and I'm sure a lot of other cooks or recipe developers or chefs would agree with this and maybe they won't, maybe they will. Like if I can make it better myself, like I don't want to eat it, you know, like it's something I get really mad, honestly, when I have like a meal that I feel like is subpar. So I really care a lot about like when I'm going out that it's like a really delicious, good meal. And it's really the meals where I get really inspired. And I feel like there's a lot of flavor. There's a lot of like body. I think that, you know, when a meal falls flat, it kind of, and I think I'm probably more critical than most people because I spend so much time cooking and people are probably going to be like, oh my God, she needs to relax. Like it's just food, but it's not, it's like an experience. And it's, um, I think I hosted a couple of pop-ups earlier this, earlier this year. And it was kind of the first time that I did it in a restaurant setting. So people had a check dropped after they ordered a la carte. And then, you know, they left obviously after that could order whatever they wanted. And when people are paying for your food, like it is actually so insane. I'm like, I need to give them the best experience of their entire lives. Otherwise, like they're going to hate me forever because if they hate my food, they hate me. You know, like I just care so I much. I am food. <laughs> I am. Yeah, literally. I care so much about it. I think my it, Yelp rating is going to go down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just like, I don't know. I care so much about it. And I think you can really tell when the food has really smart sourcing, has really great care behind it, is used with really local, delicious ingredients. And I think when I eat out, I don't worry as much about the, you know, the, I I do and I don't, like I want to enjoy myself. And I think a lot of people, it kind of goes back to that all or nothing thing where it's like, if I'm healthy, should I not be like having all these like I don't know, certain things like I I just kind of throw that out the window because I want to experience food and experience like what other chefs have to offer. Um, Yeah. What's some of your favorite spots in New York or cuisines even? Yeah. I've recently been really obsessed with Chouquette. Um, I don't know if you've been there, but it's so good and have this tahini soft serve. That's incredible. Um, I always really like checking out ABCV because seasonally they do like incredible vegetable things there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they just do really great, um, delicious, you know, and I love, you know, I love experiencing what chefs can do with vegetables because that's like the most inspiring to me since that's sort of where I, you know, the world that I cook in as well. Um, I am excited to check out and I haven't been here, but I really want to go Sema. Um, I hear dying to go. I know same. I really, I haven't been able to get a reservation and I, I just, I need to be on that resi, like notify. And I just keep forgetting to do it. So that is going to be on my list as well, but there's so much diversity of food here. It's really, really cool. It's, it's such a, it's such a privilege to live around it for sure. Yeah. So we were talking about this earlier, like you're, you have a really unique perspective from looking and analyzing at consumer brands. Um, And I can't help but ask, you know, what the future of your platform looks like. And, you know, is there a world where you'd ever want to create some sort of actual packaged good product? It's a good question. Um, My parents have been 
just truly harassing me for years to like come out with a product. Um, but I also know, and I know like a lot of your listeners are in this world, it's really hard. Like it is not easy. It is not just the product you see on a shelf. And I have a lot of founder friends and CPG founder friends that I see the struggle that it takes to launch a product and you just have to, it becomes your whole life. Like you have to love it and believe in it so much and so much so that you get other people on board to believe in it and love it as much as you do. And then you have to hit certain markers. Like it's a world that I don't know if I'm ready to enter in yet, but I will never say no to anything. I think it'll definitely involve dates if I do do something down the line. Um, But in terms of the future of my work, I, I think for the first time in my life, I don't know. Like I actually don't know. And I think I've been really wrestling with that because I feel lucky to have done so many things early on in my career that I feel that I need to and I don't think anyone or everyone allows themselves the time and space to like process and think about where they want to go and I want to be really intentional about that um so I guess TBD but I mean I hope that it involves more television and I hope that involves um you know, building a, a strong, stronger community and continuing with the strong community that I have already. TV, dates, food, <laughs> some salt, and we don't know where else it may be. That's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's it. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, so we like to ask all of our guests how they subscribe to wellness. So what are some things that you do on a daily, weekly basis to be able to show up for your team, for yourself, um, for all of your fans, et cetera. Um, every day I have like a little moment where I like eat some chips and like have an Olipop and like, I just like really digest the day. Um, that really gets me through. No, I think like journaling like has been really helpful for me actually, because I think a lot of founders or people who are working in the social media space or managing teams or whatever, I think it can be very tough to, you know, isolate your thoughts, like to have like some space to breathe and think about it. I find myself at least constantly inundated with information and content. We all are. And I don't think that I allow my brain to get quiet ever. Um, I should probably meditate more, but I think journaling is really helpful for me because it allows me to just like blurt out mentally like whatever I'm feeling and also like affirm to myself where I'm at where I'm going um getting that on on paper really helps me at least so that's been something that I don't think I could you know do my business without for sure yeah I always say I'm going to journal more and I just (laughs) but everybody is so different though like it is really it's interesting because you know I think it's really important also to like have a community who like everyone has different ways of, of approaching, you know, wellness or what makes them feel good. And honestly, I think like more popular than my food is probably like my motivational quotes that I post every day on my social media platform, which is probably should tell me something. But um, my friend messaged me yesterday. She's like, I know you're posting those when you're spiraling. So I'm like, okay, you know, listen, I post it every day. What are you saying? Just checking um, in on you. <laughs> yeah. Like, are you good? No, but I think like creating a, a space in a community where people feel like they don't have to have it all figured out is like a big priority for me because 
I think a lot of people online present like they do have it all figured out. And I, I think that's like not true for most of them. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's nice to hear it from you as someone who is in that space. And I think so many listeners will, will really appreciate, you know, hearing that. Um, where can our listeners find you or learn more about you? Um, I am on Dada Eats, D-A-D-A Eats on Instagram and TikTok. And my book is called Dada Eats, Love to Cook It. That's available wherever books are sold. Oh, I hate plugging myself, but like, there you go. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rachel. Hey, listeners. I just wanted to quickly mention my favorite hydration supplement element. Hydration is a crucial part of life and it isn't just about drinking water. Being optimally hydrated is actually about optimizing your body's fluid ratios. This fluid balance depends on many factors, including the intake and excretion of electrolytes. Electrolytes are charged minerals that conduct electricity to power your nervous system. They also regulate hydration status by balancing fluids inside and outside your cells. Current science points to consuming 4 to 6 grams of sodium, 3 to 0.5 to 5 grams of potassium, and 400 to 600 milligrams of magnesium per day from diet and supplements for optimal health outcomes. It can be hard to consume these ranges from whole food diets, especially sodium. Element was formulated with a science-backed electrolyte ratio, 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. Just as important as what is put in Element is what is left out. Dodgy ingredients and public health enemy number one, sugar. I've been consuming the product for about a year and absolutely love it. And if you want to get started today, you should go to drinkelement.com slash subscribe into wellness for a special introductory deal on your first order. That's drinkelement.com slash subscribe into wellness. You won't regret it. Thanks everyone for listening to today's episode. Feel free to rate, review, and share the podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to wellness. If you'd like to sponsor us, please see the supporter link in our podcast bio. We hope everyone has a great rest of week filled with wellness and we'll see you next time.